Oh, Elden Ring. Such a fine vintage. Well, that's what we're talking about here tonight. Elden Ring on an all-new Anti-Fanboy special episode featuring our Elden Ring chat. And we got some special guests here. We got we got Tim. We got Rain. Say hello. 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 And of course, we got Steve. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing terrific. How are you? Well, much better now that I beat Elden Ring after all that time I invested into it. Must be nice. (laughs) I haven't finished it yet. Are are we the only beat boys here? Is it just you and me? Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. The strong boys are taking over. We got that Stromboli sent to our house. (laughs) They didn't. Oh, wait. If you beat Elden Ring, you get a Stromboli sent to your house? A whole Stromboli. Yep. Wow. What? George R. R. Bowley. <laughs> what's what's in it, if you don't mind my asking? Well, it's, you know, it's the shape of a ring, of course. Mm-hmm. Right. You know the, the stuff that's inside the little jaw warriors? That. <laughs> okay. Burled <laughs> <laughs> finger butter. That's what it's filled with. <laughs> that's, that's the lore no one knows except for until this moment. Well, you gotta, you gotta get the, if we win, you'll know it. You know, you gotta keep it a secret though. You yeah. see where the jarge converged to. And it's just a giant stromboli they make. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys, didn't, you guys didn't get to the end and the stromboli is important. No, dude, I made a dexterous character. Dexterous. I, I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Dexterous character. That dude's not going to be able to finish a Stromboli. Oh, well, you know, there's another ending where you don't finish it. So, mm-hmm. Although I took a lot of arcane, so maybe I'll get lucky and eat a lot of it. You know, I don't think that's important, beating beating <laughs> it. I No, no, be, beating the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still having a conversation about it, because it's like, it's so big. And you guys probably done so much. We got we got plenty. Yeah, I've I've put definitely three three plus days into this game. Uh, is that like the, the hourly? Time? Like hourly? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you mean at least seventy two hours is what you're trying to say? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I'm level 100 and I've done a lot, but every time I try to like make myself buckle down and go do main story shit, I run into something else that's very interesting. And then I pursue that for 10 hours and uh, it's not great for trying to finish the game. See, that's what I'm curious about about you, Rain. Like, did you kind of like just steamroll through it or did you stop and find some crazy shit along the way? I kind of took a fucked up path. Uh, I <laughs> So I uh, when I started the game, they told me to go north to the castle, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to do what it's telling me to do because I don't have you know anything. I don't have the horse yet. I can't level up yet. Clearly, there's something along the way that I must collect uh, before I can continue. So I went to Stormvale. I beat up the two assholes there. And then from that point, apparently, you are supposed to go south to the Weeping Peninsula. <laughs> I did not do that. I went continued to go north at level like fifteen, That's all the did. way into Raya Lucaria, right? And so I'm like, I'm cruising around Raya Lucaria, and like, well, this seems tough, but it's a Dark Souls, so that makes sense. And maybe two or three days later, I'm watching a friend of mine play it, and they have like nine Estus flasks more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, where'd you get those Estus flasks? He's like, oh, I just went to the churches, and I was like, I found one church so far, so you must be. Like, where was it? And he told me that they're all in the Weeping Peninsula. <laughs> Dude, they're yeah. legit. All There's a lot of them down there. There's like six down. So I fucked up by doing the Crypt Path a little too much. By the time that I went back to do a lot of the exploring of like the lore area and the Rite of Lyurnia, 
I was massively overleveled uh, for like for that area, right? So I'm just smashing everything. That's a that's a special feeling, you know, when you're overleveled. In the it games. does feel really good, though, right? Like yeah. I know that the difficulty of these games is a huge selling point, and it's why they've kind of endured it, despite not initially being very popular with Demon Souls. Um, but my God, when you finally find some broken ass weapon and just go stomp through all the shit that was giving you a hard time four hours ago, it feels so goddamn good. Such a relief, you know, and a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm not bad. I was just <laughs> under leveled. So I what level did you all fight Radon at? I was level six fifty eight okay. when I fought Radon. I want to say I was around that too, sixty-eight to seventy. I'm gonna say sixty to seventy as well. Yeah, I fought Radon at forty-eight, and let me Jeez. tell you, not supposed to do that. I, I, I might. Super I'm, not supposed to do that. I'm pretty sure I played this this game in the stupidest and most stubborn way you could possibly play this game. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, I didn't use any magic. Uh, I had a big sword. I took used the first sword that I got for about sixty hours. Uh, I didn't. I've been. I treated this game like it is Dark Souls One because I started playing with Dark Souls One, right? Okay. So magic is useless. It's not, and dexterity is kind of bad, and it isn't. You should just get a big sword, and roll around a lot, and that's what I did, right? <laughs> and this I, game, so, you don't do that. <laughs> so this game has been weird for me in particular because I always play like a tanky character with high strength and high faith. Like that, that is just my build for some reason, because I think faith spells in dark souls games are interesting. They're not the most flashy generally, but they're usually pretty useful and they look cool. Uh, so I really challenged myself not to do that with this game for the first time I made a dexterity character and I was having a really good time, but then you beat, Renala of the full moon and you can respec basically for free whenever the fuck you want to and I just haven't stopped doing that since I got that ability I legitimately think I only have like three larval tears left in the world for me to go find at this point <laughs> so <laughs> because whenever I find some, a cool new spell or a cool new weapon I'm like well I could just pop back to Renala and change that out and see how that works and then I'm like hmm this sucks and I go back to something else that I liked before I, uh, like my, my uh, exploration was not like sort of the stubborn forward path as well, Rain. Uh, like, and I never, I didn't fuck around with magic at all. I barely fucked around with faith. Like, I was, for me, I'll, I'm always an endurance hound in these games. Mm. You like to be able to roll for days and never have to stop. You want to wear Both the fattest armor you can. 100%. Like, I want to wear the, the bulkiest, biggest fucking armor <laughs> and still be able to roll like like a graceful Olympic Olympian. You know? How's like, you wearing <laughs> such heavy armor and rolling so fancy? <laughs> so that's, like, what I kind of needled down and focused on. And I could wear, like, any armor in the game. That was really fun because the armors look beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, they're all gorgeous. And uh, I could have any shield I wanted. Like, I used a shield way more than I ever thought I was going to in this game. How um, dare they? How dare they make the shield viable in this game? I Steve, that's exactly how I feel. I was I've played game these games since Demon Souls in 2009 and shields were always the coward's way to play. They were never interesting. <laughs> uh it was just a crutch to get you through difficult fights and then they add fucking guard counters and they're cool. So Are you good. kidding me? So good. Like I spent... guard counter was the reason I staggered every boss. Like there was no other reason for it oh uh, yeah you know what i didn't use that you know so i did also <laughs> didn't use 
any of the modifications you can put on weapons because I was using a basic ass weapon. It didn't come with like a special ability or whatever. And I was like, well, if I add this one, it makes the numbers go down. And I don't want that. <laughs> you can't have numbers go down. You can't have the numbers got to go up. So they I'm just not going to do. I didn't use a single. This is not out of like pride. I'm not doing the gamer thing. I'm yeah. an idiot. And I didn't use any of this. Wait, I did didn't... you magoo your way with just like the starting club that the wretched has? It sounds like he did, kind of. I fought a guy, in a, a normal guy in a horse, not the big guys. <laughs> he, dropped, he dropped a weapon called the Dismounter. I was like, well, that's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, like the, the big samurai. It's a big curvy, yeah, yeah, like a curvy greatsword. And I used that for 60 hours of the game. And I just kept upgrading it. And I would get new shit. I got the fucking ice hatchet that's broken as hell. I got the moon veil, whatever. I yep. got the bloody katana. And I'm looking at all those like, well, these are plus zero. And I have a plus 17 Dismounter. So why would I bother? I mean that is yeah. a good point though. Like th- I think <laughs> legitimately this is uh this is sincere. I think one of the strengths of this game over previous entries is that you can just go all in on one fucking weapon and as long as you're upgrading your weapon I don't think your stats actually matter that much. They really don't. They really don't. Like like with armor in all the other Souls games like it was purely just cosmetic mm. most of the time. Like right. it looks cool, it's fun. But like everything has a purpose now. Like it, I don't think it did before. Uh, oh, these other games. everything's weak to status is really hard as well. Like bleed is huge. Yeah. Oh yeah, I went heavy into the bleed for my for my yeah, character. You're swinging two Reduvias, right, Steve? Yeah, I'm is swinging two Reduvias. Um, that's the thing. Like, I'm trying to get my arcane up to 99. So like the second I touch someone with one of these knives, they just explode into a big puddle of blood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of went the frost route for a lot of Frost is incredible. I feel like frost is a little bit broken and it feels so fun to use. Right. As a result. I couldn't get a lot of the later bosses to bleed for some reason. Uh, That was a big problem for me. So more ghosts and robots. (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah, a lot of them are resistant to blood. Like, like the hardest boss for me so far has been, uh, Astel, natural burn of the void because he was just immune to blood and frost. And I was like, oh, those are the two things I'm good at. (laughs) (laughs) And so it took, I, that was the first boss I actually had to leave and come back after I had leveled a little bit. I think my, my go-to weapon throughout most of the game though, was the golden halberd that I got from the tree, the tree sentinel, the tree sentinel at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yep. I thought no, you were I'm a Godric Axe guy. You know, I was using that for a while, and the range wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. And then I got that halibird, and it was just perfect. Like, everything fit the place perfectly. Um, and it was also, like, I was noticing a lot of the guard counters for the bigger weapons are slower than mm-hmm. the halibirds. Right. Halibirds, like, hit real fast. Yeah, they, they, they come out counter. real fast when you guard counter with those. Perfect weapon for the later stages of the game. I was yeah. noticing, except for the last boss. Then I changed everything. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of actually like entertaining. Like the fact that like they would give you such a good end game weapon, like just for beating the guy who's like at the starting gate. <laughs> that's that's something that I always loved about Souls in general. Like you could get a great weapon that will keep you going for the rest of the game, and it's a really unique mm. and powerful weapon that you get from beating somebody that's tough. In the beginning, you know? Oh, yeah. The rewards are are so big and so great in this game. I'm, I'm always happy to get anything. They're always great stuff. You know? Right. And I think that's another big strength of this particular entry in the series over previous Souls games in that 
And like I said before, I think any weapon you want to use can carry you through the game if you level it up enough. I think in previous Souls games, that was also technically true if you had the stats to kind of back it up because scaling worked a little bit differently. Um, but I think a big strength of this game is that the rewards that you get just for playing how you want to are enough to constantly keep you looking in your inventory and being like, what the fuck was that crystal tier that I got? What does that one do? There's so many like cool systems that are open enough for you to play with and fuck around with until you find something that really, really works for you. Hmm. Um, whereas you did not, I mean, like I, my, I, I think my favorite new addition to this game is the flask of wondrous physic. I have, I think it's so good to have a third rechargeable thing, but let that thing's effects be up to the player. Yeah. Like the customization. I I just think that fucking rules. And it's, it's such a stupid little thing, but if you think about it, plug that flask into any dark souls game, I don't think it necessarily breaks the balance of any of them, but it's just another tool that the player would have. And it would be, the game might actually be better for it. Uh, you know, even going back as far as Demon Souls, having a like just a special power up that you get to design, uh, would be fucking great for some of those bullshit bosses in Demon Souls, like Garl yeah, Vinland. Know, I I <laughs> I was definitely looking for all those tears. They're te- are they tears? Yeah, they're crystal tears. Crystal tears. I was looking for and killing all the. the oh, you gotta go kill avatars. those Erd Tree uh, avatars because they drop the tears, and I want the fucking tears, man. That, you know, made me explore, maybe go look for every one of the little stunted herd trees that mm-hmm. were around on the map. And I went there and they're always cool. Like the, the, the surrounding area is always neat looking. Um, they have those little like tree guardians that are positioned around usually. Um, Chris, so much little detail. It's amazing. If I, I hate to cut you off. Um, how many herd tree avatars had you fought before you realized that they were the asylum demon? <laughs> I just found that out today. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's like him wearing like a big wig. <laughs> it's like if you put a ghillie suit on the asylum demon, that's what an air tree avatar looks like. Yeah, I gave him a little bit of magic too, right? Just to get him. Oh, he's got that. He's got that. Uh, that smo butt stomp with the the holy energy mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. homing the homing gold missile mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that those fights are so great. And I, you know, like you guys were talking to me before, I think it was you and Tim, Steve, and you were talking about how you never really fought on the horse at all. I well, don't I have, do a I lot have, of horseback fighting. I have daggers. So like me trying right. to like horseback fight someone else on a horse is just like me getting in like really close to a dude who's got like a much longer weapon. So it's risky. It's risky. So like that, that it was totally different for me because I would like sneak up and the halibird has like a baseball swing. Right. So you charge it up and you hit them and they fly like they go flying. Mm. And it has such long range that I was able to just kind of like run around the Erd tree avatar and just keep slapping them with it. It was it's really fun. Like it added a whole new element. It's it's crazy that like each fight has like two kind of modes in how to fight it. Cause it's like, you can attempt it on horseback. You, well, some of them, not all of them, I should say. Sure. You can attempt like a lot of those big fights on horseback, but like you can also do it just on your feet. Right. I mean, I know a lot of the dragons I killed later in the game. I was just killing on my feet Mm. and that is like a totally different fight. You know, like I did not kill a single dragon the right way. I cheese each and every single one of them. 
Uh, the way I feel about this game is that it does not respect me, and therefore I will not respect it. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I would find ge- geometry to stand on, and I would shoot 99 arrows and 99 crossbow bolts until it died. <laughs> Every single one. I didn't fight a single dragon the correct way. So, I mean, <laughs> previous old games have taught you to do that, though. That's how you get yes! the best, the best yeah. weapon in Dark Souls 1. Yeah, the sword. The women's right. sword, right? right. And, and it, uh, yeah, it, I, they, I, I learned it from them, is all I have to say about it. Exactly. <laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. I mean, I, I, I totally understand where Rain is coming from. Like, as a veteran of these games, <laughs> I have fought dragons the right way but there have been plenty of times where i'm doing something and a fucking dragon shows up and i'm like ugh, and i just go stand (laughs) behind a tree and throw magic bolts at it or whatever until it leaves me alone permanently because it's dead i you know i'll tell you this i um as i beat the game i now just first first respect i ever did was after i beat the game and i respected into like a magic user Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I didn't use magic at all, didn't play around with it, seen videos of it online, how friggin' broken it is, especially in boss fights. And I'm I'm having a little bit of a hard time because it's a totally different type of strategy to what I'm used to. Like, my strategy's simple. I'm, I'm going to keep hitting you, you know? Like, <laughs> right, you take the biggest sword you can, and you run in, and you hit until they die. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so, it works so well for 95% of the game. Um, and it gets you into kind of a mode where you're like, oh, I can just hack at this thing and take a, a couple of hits, tank them, be fine, and end the fight. Totally different for magic. Like, you have to keep moving, and you have to keep distance, and it's it's a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. You know? It is, uh, unless you do what I did, which was, after you hit a certain point in Ronnie the Witch is uh, storyline, uh, I became a complete simp for Ronnie, and I started using that Darkmoon Greatsword because I've used it in every other FromSoft game, so why not this one? Uh, but that sword is incredible. It acts like a big sword, but you also get the Link to the Past style like laser bolt thing out of it. And uh, wait, that's the one that um, you can't block, right? In Demon Souls, in Demon Souls, yes, that was the one that passed through shields as though they didn't exist. I don't think that is the case in this game. Oh, that's fucked up. <laughs> yes, yeah, oh, that... when Demon Souls remake came out, uh, I used that sword with a build, and Steve, <laughs> Steve and I would play together and wait to get invaded so that we could fuck up assholes who Dude, came it into was, our game. It was legit bullying, almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not almost. It kind of was like I would come into Steve's game. Steve would hang out, wait to get invaded. Some jerk would come in. Steve would fight them. I would come out from behind the pillar I was hiding behind, and then they couldn't block me because I had uh, all of my points into whichever stat it was that the sword procked off of. And mm. even if they used their shield, it the sword behaved as though they didn't block it, and so they took full magic damage from it. Uh, and it was, was really, really fun. It was very strong. But like the fact that like that sword is in all of their games is so crazy. Like that's yeah. such a fun thing. That's like Sam Raimi putting his car in all of his movies. Let's <laughs> right. see. That's exactly how I feel about it. Like when I finally I got that sword. Ruth Campbell? Was that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. right. scenario? Right. I, I mean, uh, to Steve's point, that's exactly why I wanted to use this sword when I got it. Cause it's like, it feels like this is me getting into the Oldsmobile in Evil Dead 2. You know, <laughs> it just like feels comfy. The master sword. 
right for, the, for these games kind of pretty almost much, pretty much uh can i talk about because we were talking about it earlier where it's like you guys have been trained from playing the other games mm-hmm. this game does a like when i first started playing like because i'd play demon souls like i know all the tricks i know the the messages that say oh tumble here for good good treasure <laughs> and no, try just, jumping okay. yeah. yeah 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 by the way this game way trollier yeah than it's ever oh been yeah in my life. yeah but like the fact that like the beginning of the game there's like a cliff and if you fall down the cliff that's where the tutorial is is so like that it's like the first time i'm like that's annoying but then i thought about it i'm like that's so brilliant because it's like if you already have a handle on these games you know not to jump down there yeah that's a good point (laughs) i didn't have that problem i actually did go into the tutorial realm because there was a big glowy message on the floor that was like the cave of learning is that away or whatever i mean it probably says it more cryptically than that but it did refer to it as like the cavern of learning or some shit i was like oh that must be the tutorial and you believed it yeah and it was the tutorial so i was right you got lucky. I got three letters for you, Tim. DTA. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> but at that point in the game, jump down at, all. at that point in the game, you have zero souls and nothing to lose anyway. So even if someone was trolling me off a cliff, who gives a shit? I didn't lose anything. My guy, my guy. Once you die there, you die in real life. I see. That's something <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, pride, Tim. <laughs> after fucking uh what is it 12 or 13 years of playing souls games i have none left <laughs> rain fell down that hole ended up at the final boss accidentally and he hit him on the head with his body and beat him one shot i believe it <laughs> mr magoot is way through the whole thing i, I t- my wife kept telling me i was playing the game in quote the stupidest and most boring way possible <laughs> by not <laughs> using any magic and i didn't use any bows Honey, the, please equip a weapon. I refuse. I do. I was going to do it. <laughs> I, I kept saying I got these two soup bones, and she didn't understand. <laughs> I think that's that's fucking. Isn't that amazing though? Like that's that to me is fascinating because we've had three people talk about three separate experiences of how to fight anything yeah. in this game, and it's all successful, and we've all basically have now learned that as a strategy and use that throughout the rest of the game that that's what makes this game a masterpiece right yeah like so many different ways to shave a cat i i don't like using the word masterpiece but this game is clearly a masterpiece uh like it's clearly the best one right it's clearly the best in the series i i as much as i love bloodborne as much as i love demons as much as i love sekiro this game feels like the culmination of every lesson they have learned since demons came out in 2009, every experiment they tried where they revamped a healing system or revamped a scaling system or revamped the setting. Uh, This game is, I haven't finished it yet, but it is as close to a perfect game as I have ever played. And I know that there is no such thing as a perfect game. I'm not asking it to be absolute perfection, but this is like, if the, there's always going to be a, a, a curve in the grade of a game, this is as close to a 10 as I can possibly get. I'm going to, I'm going to open up the can of worms and start talking about open world games, right? Yeah, please ones do. That, ones that aren't Elden Ring, uh, because I really don't like open world games. I really I'm the same way, Rain. kind of hate them. I, I want a checklist of things to do and I want to be able to check off that list. Right. And a lot of open world games are just like, see the mountain, go to it. And I don't, I don't give a shit. Breath of the Wild is the one that really got me. But with the except, and those are two like masterclass games. Right. With with the exception of those two games, I typically don't give a shit. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think that Elden Ring 
in the internet age brought back the Mew under the car rumors, right? Oh, yeah, that's so true. Yep, yep, like, yep. I, I'm gonna, I signed into like Discord or whatever. On the, I was talking to my coworkers the day after uh, the game came out, and I was like, "Oh, I found this and this and this," and they managed to tell me about six things I had never fucking heard of, <laughs> that all of which were amazing. And in again, in the internet age, that doesn't exist anymore, right? You, there's a hundred thousand guides going up every single second about the best possible whatever. This is the best right. sword, and here's the best way to kill this boss, and here's you know, you stab it in the asshole two times and it explodes. Congratulations. And that's an experience. There's an experience in LARPing called Froth, where you come home and you tell everyone who doesn't LARP about what happened, right? Like, you'll never believe, like, I, I was doing this role-playing thing, and I slaughtered this guy in the middle of the night, and then seven goblins came and bonked me on the head. And Elden Ring manages <laughs> to do that and in a way that open-world games don't anymore. Because if I were to play another open-world game, I'm not going to say which, but if I... <laughs> If I were to fight the same thing that you fought, what the fuck is there to talk for us to talk about? Like, yeah, I killed the T-Rex. Did you kill the T-Rex? Cool. Yeah, well, of course I killed the T-Rex. We both did, because that's the thing the in big, that area. It's the big <laughs> marker on the map that says, here's the big T-Rex. Kill all 20 of them. Right. And you have to do that in order to progress this I mean, thing. You know, what, what I've noticed from open world games is it's shifted from gameplay to story. And that's like what really keeps like, cause I think about like red dead redemption. Two. Mm -hmm. Like that game is so wide open and it has so many choices and different things to do, but everything takes so long to do. And it's so boring <laughs> to do in reality because it's fucking 1800s and everything takes forever. But the fact is uh, you don't focus, at least when I hear people talk about that game, they don't focus on the gameplay or the exploration of that world, they focus on the story. Yeah, like like that. that was the big thing that game took, like people took away from where it's like, wow, this story's a masterclass in storytelling. And then it's like, oh yeah, what about that one mission where like you you are told where to park a caravan? <laughs> and you're like, you don't think I could just park a caravan just like in an area? It's like, no, you have to park it here specifically. Like that game grabs you by the hand and drags you like you're a child in a Toys R Us. And it's like, no, we have to leave, honey. Your dentist appointment's tonight. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, that... In a weird way, I, I'm going to sound like a crazy person for saying this. What you have just described is my exact problem with open world games. Um, mm -hmm. I love Breath of the Wild and I love Elden Ring. I have severe problems with most other quote unquote triple A open world games. Like I famously did not like the Spider-Man game because it oh. felt so much like it is holding your hand and patting things out and it there's a shift towards a quote-unquote story focus but none of that shit ever actually matters it's just a, exactly. it's a it's a string leading you from cutscene to cutscene and it doesn't ever feel emergent it doesn't ever feel like my choices in the game matter it doesn't ever feel like i'm doing anything other than what the developers have intended me to do, which is why Breath of the Wild and now Elden Ring really break through that mold for me, because in Elden Ring, you walk out of the first place that you're in from this like fucking dank ass graveyard after you get crushed. And then you walk out of this giant open world. Some guy tells you, you don't have any maidens, go get fucked. And then <laughs> the world is just open from that point. You can just go and do whatever you think is interesting. And yeah. I feel as a player, I feel rewarded for exploring. I feel rewarded for following the main path. I feel rewarded for basically doing whatever strikes my fancy at any given time. Whereas in a game like a Horizon game or uh, even like a Grand Theft Auto, like 
or Witcher 3 is another great example of a game that I enjoyed, but I hate when a game gives me a huge fucking checklist of things to do that I don't care about. And I hate even more when those things block story progression and it's like, oh, Gerald, you need to fix this ancient artifact in order to go fight the big bad guy. And then you do the thing to fix the goddamn ancient artifact. And then for story reasons, a big bird comes and carries it away or some shit. And then you have to go track the bird down. And it's just they're adding more padding and more steps to keep me from doing the thing that I had already earned as a player. Mm-hmm. And Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild have no such fucking like setbacks, no padding. It's just hey there's like maybe five big bosses you got to go kill if you want to go do this thing yeah um go go do that like that's that's after you have two great bosses down or two shard bearers down you can then go start the end game quest line basically Mm -hmm. like those games have those games have something that the other open world games don't have and that's player paced discovery Yes. The other games where if you play an Assassin's Creed game or another game of any type, like, like you know, I'm going to say uh, open world. I don't even know how to differentiate them. Open world, non-discovery type adventures. What they do is it's like if you put if you put an hour into one of those games and you don't do any of the missions on the map that are mm-hmm. like very blatantly pointed out to you, like you haven't done anything in that game. You've accomplished nothing. Everything you've done is you've literally just run around an already discovered world. In there's no there's no impact on the world. There's no impact on you as right, the player right. because I've done I've done nothing. Rewarding. I've never I've taken away nothing. Like even just like looking at something that I I've that is already mapped out for me, it doesn't it's not special. Breath of the Wild and uh Elden Ring when I'm just like, I'm going to trounce over in this area because it looks weird. And like <laughs> you go about like just finding all this weird stuff. And like, here's a cave and I go into the cave and the cave is filled with monsters. And like, I do it for an hour. Like none of that's mapped out. I've mapped it out. I've like, even if I don't finish that cave in that sit through, I've discovered a cave. I've done something. Right. And there's so many weird little things that you could go through an entire run of this game and never interact with. Like Steve, uh, I showed you where Bach is the, uh, the man, the, the demi human who's disguised as a tree very early on in the game. Yeah. (laughs) And then like, you can give him a sewing needle and then he can mend your clothes for you or whatever. His storyline is still going for me. And if I hadn't heard him talking to me when I was running from a guy on a horse early on in the game, I never would have started the storyline. And it rules. It's really interesting to me. If you never told me about that, I probably would have still never found it to this. Exactly. Because it's such a weird niche little thing hidden away somewhere. Roll into a bush. Like what? There's a lot of bushes. Right. If this had been any other open world game, there would have been a big question mark over the woods that he's in. And it would have been like, someone reports hearing strange noises in here. And then you would have to go (laughs) and figure it out. But like this game is just like, fuck it. He's there. If you find him, great. If you don't, you don't. And I don't know. Like to me, I'm interested. I'm really interested to hear Rain's thoughts on this because he's an actual game designer, and we are just uh, people who complain about games. So, like, how how hard is it to do something like this from your perspective? Like, how hard would it be to actually make an open world game that doesn't hold your hand or point things out to you? 
Is that harder or less hard than doing the quote unquote like stock open world game these days? I don't think it'd be harder, but I think it's safer. Um, the, the when you very often when you're looking at games that are made uh, sort of designed by committee, right? They really ironed out the edges. There's no friction, and the mm-hmm. reason for that is they're trying to appeal to the broadest, 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 broadest possible audience imaginable to get the most people playing your game, most people talking about your game, and all that stuff, right? So to do that, you need to facilitate a really, really smooth way to see the all the critical content, all the content that you spent money on, all the content that you want people to look at. Elder Ring sort of does this with Kenneth Branagh yelling on top of a giant rock, right? <laughs> uh, and he's like, save my fort. And you do, and he's like, thanks. And that was it, which is really strange. But it engenders into the player that like, oh, this guy had like a quest and I came back and talked to him. So maybe if I have other people give me a quest and I go back and talk to them, it'll do something, right? Mm. Very hard to do in any other kind of game like that because this game will let you fail. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It is It is not afraid to be like, yeah, maybe you should have killed that dude. I'm going to even go further and say, like, let you fail to, like, it's easier to fail than succeed. Um, and I've seen a lot of a lot of people, people that don't typically play Dark Souls games, people that don't typically play these kinds of games at all, right? I have Zekro, things like that, get pissed. They're like, well, I, I spent fucking 40 hours playing this game, and I didn't know this NPC was going to get stabbed, so he's dead now, and I can't get the legendary moon shard or the fuck who cares right hmm. um and like pissed like just going on also like loading up twitter like, ranting on at end like how could they possibly do this they waste my time this game doesn't value my time as a player which is a fucking phrase i hate the most and it <laughs> right it, <laughs> go fuck good, yourself good to know because i was going to praise elden ring for valuing my time as a player no i hate player. it it's, it's the worst it's, it's the so it, it is not hard to do this, right? The reason that it doesn't exist is because people hate it. <laughs> they mm. vocally hate it. They vocally hate it in a way that makes people who are making these kinds of things want to edge it out. Well, you know, I guess there's something to be said about the success of all the Souls games now. I guess that that sentiment might be changing. I think it's, you know? yeah. Maybe people like, those games, want that Those more. games came out in a time where, like, tutorials became, like, the thing like you would play a game and it would have an hour two hour long tutorial in it showing you how to look at someone mm-hmm. it's like yeah i know how to do that call of duty i know how to look at someone i've been playing games for decades like didn't want to age yourself there huh steve <laughs> <laughs> i've been playing games for exactly this amount of time um, but no like like this game it doesn't have Actually, you know what? I am going to say it does have some edges sanded in comparison to later games, but that's just what they've learned from making these games. It's not them trying to um, appease every kind of gamer. It's like, okay, you know what? We're going to make this game. It's 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 got sharp curves or sharp curves, sharp Sharp edges. edges. Thank you. You might poke your eye out, child. And that's the thing. People went. Oh, <laughs> I might be able to poke my eye out on this thing. Let's heck and go. And like, that's why this game's in the zeitgeist. It's not in the zeitgeist because it's Assassin's Creed. It's not the, the we're just going to run around and do everything that the map tells me to. It's a mysterious, wonderful world. That's hard. It's a challenge. You're facing adversity. There's also, that's... there's never been a worse time to be an open world game. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now that Ubisoft is a genre, there's a yep. lot of <laughs> there's a lot of like fatigue. Does anyone remember Dying Light Two? Because it came out four weeks ago. It right? came out like in no. the, in the time right. period of <laughs> yeah. this game. I legitimately remember looking at that game like, oh, it's a you know first person zombie open world game that might be fun, and then it was like. Nah, Elden Ring is the only thing I actually give a shit about right now. I I really like Dying Light One, and apparently they changed nothing from one one to two. Same here, same here. So you know, fuck me, I guess. There's a lot of you know, it's it's very hard right now to make an open world game that isn't exactly like every other open world game, and that's partially right. because open world games take 17 years to make, and partially because they have the same design philosophy every goddamn time. So mm-hmm. when you have a very wildly different design philosophy like Breath of the Wild or like uh, Elden Ring, it, it people are like, oh wow, a breath of fresh air. Look at this thing that's so different and new. I'm gonna play Assassin's Creed 67. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Far Cry 7. I, well, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest in saying that before this game came out, I wasn't really excited. Chris, like, I am I, with you. I was not excited <laughs> for this game. I was like, I watched the trailers. I thought, hey, this looks cool. It's gonna be more Souls. You know, neat. Yeah, neat. Like I'm like, I like I like Dark Souls. I was I I wanted another Bloodborne. If I'm completely yep, honest, like that's where my brain was at the time. And also, I feel like I've had. I mean, the past couple of years have been terrible for video games, except it, like the big releases at least. And Cyberpunk really just kicked me so hard in the pants. I I didn't want to love again. <laughs> you know? like, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't want to get my hopes up and like it, it, I felt really I felt really um, what's the word um, completely let down I, I there's a better word for that but like I, I was let down by video games in it's deflated. You, were, you, were, yeah. you were disillusioned with the industry I was and you know I <laughs> cyberpunk being another open world game I, I listen I, I'm a big fan of like the sci-fi genre and I really wanted a solid open world sci-fi game more than anything you know futuristic interesting you, you know dystopian future stuff and it just I didn't get it and Elden Ring is more of the fantasy that I really wasn't too interested in to be honest right you're uh, i'm a little i'm personally a little over like standard sword and sorcery fantasy stuff well i I think that i think the discovery aspect of um this style of open world adventure game uh, it lends itself easier to like here is an untamed world that doesn't have uh too much going like like there's trees and there's caves and like there's all this but like i think like we will get to a point where we will get this like stretch of just like metropolis that we get lost in and we have to discover it ourselves and and like that's something i think is in the future but like these are these are, are developers at a point where they are they have to craft this whole world and like elden ring's world is shockingly well crafted for how big it is. Oh, so beautiful and big, and it just the scale of everything is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's um, vibrant and colorful too, which I didn't yeah, expect. Like, yeah, what, yeah. What the hell is that about Souls game? It's gorgeous. It's not browns <laughs> and greens, right? I expected. No. you know, browns and greens. It's it's like bright. It's got I, a fantastically warm palette. Alive, yeah. not dead. Like yes, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. I'm doing the same thing that I did in Breath of the Wild. In Breath of the Wild, yeah, it's a Switch game. But like, there are points in Breath of the Wild where I was like climbing up a mountain and I would like look at the sunset in the distance, and I'm like, 
this is fucking pretty. Like this looks pretty. <laughs> Elden Ring inv- evokes that same thing where I'm just like, I'm just trouncing off on my horse. And I'm like, this is just like beautiful. Like I see like the fucking tree in the background. And it's just like gold. Yeah. Like that Erd tree in pretty much any, like any position or context looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm, yep in that world like it's just i think a big part of what makes the world work for me is like you're saying it's not that same kind of dismal ash gray dark architecture from previous souls games particularly dark souls one through three uh but it as vibrant and colorful as it is it does also carry that sort of dismal tone that the soul series is known for oh i like to call it rotten yeah that's that's a very good it gives you the impression that something is very wrong here uh with ever not without ever really explicitly stating necessarily what it is i mean Mm. i think it does relatively explicitly but apparently some people in the discord disagree with me um (laughs) i think name them no. <laughs> shame them and shame them. They <laughs> them right now. I will not do that. But like, uh, but the, yeah. the, world, the world carries a heft and a realism and a sadness with it on top of all of its crazy, beautiful colors. Dude, when you lose the, those beautiful colors, like when you lose those beautiful vistas, but like the first time you go into Kalid, you know something's fucking wrong. You're yeah, like, you walk into Kalid and you're like, shit, am I in a different game now? I'm like, fuck. Oh, no, this is. This is wrong. Like this is wrong. I I, I took the magical mystery tour there too. So <laughs> oh, did you? I got trapped and sent there, and it was that was a treat for anybody that loves like me that loves Castlevania and Bloodborne, basically any type of like horror genre. Walking into Kalid is just it's it's beautiful. It's made for me mm. in a lot of ways, like rotten shit just lying everywhere and calcified like dead dragons yeah. just, just rib cages everywhere giant skulls like it's just ah uh, it speaks it speaks to what i really love in a lot of video games. Uh, let's not forget the big tyrannosaurus dogs which might be my favorite God enemy damn, in a game they're so funny i saw them and i'm like i have to kill one of these right now <laughs> I gotta do it. <laughs> Chris, you and I were talking about this earlier. I think Kalid and the Lake of Rot are two of our favorite locales just because of that yeah. kind of, for lack of a better term, Mork Borgie kind of this is bad kind of feeling it gives you. Oh, man. It's such a guttural it response. Is. Mm-hmm. It really evokes something. Like, like, I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is going to be, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I look at, this is just pure. This is where it's all stemming from, obviously. And that gets me going because then, then I'm thinking about the lore and, and the actual story of the game. Um, and, you know, I speaking of the lore, like learning my favorite part of the lore is, is definitely Redan. Like I, I hmm. when I when I read about him and then I, you know, saw him and read a lot of like the information through like weaponry and his armor. That story, it's it's my favorite. Radon or Ricard? Because I thought you were a Ricard it's, guy. I I'm, I I don't know what I like more. I like Ricard, but I really like Radon's story. Got I that like tiny horse. I like his final battle. I like what it did to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah I, I agree like, with all I, of that. Basically, it was basically a nuclear weapon. What what happened there? Like the the equivalent um, of uh, what do they call it? blood mm-hmm. rush? You know, like letting that go is basically what what she did to Radon was basically drop a nuke on him. 
and it ruined the world. You know, like you, we see it, mm. and that's that's amazing. I love lore like that. Right, but Chris, there wasn't a forty-five me. minute cutscene explaining why it was the equivalent <laughs> of a nuclear weapon. So how am I supposed to tell what's happening? <laughs> to be fair, I mean, All there I is a fat guy on a little horse. There, there, there is, is a cutscene, cut but like that's the thing. When I get a cutscene in this game, I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh, like, like my rapt attention when you get a cutscene in this game. I'm immediately kind of scared when I get a cutscene because I'm not supposed to get cutscenes in this game because I haven't for hours and hours and hours. And now I get one. You know what I noticed, too, um, that this is kind of a uh, non sequitur off off topic. But in most of the cutscenes with these bosses, there's a lot of self mutilation. Mm -hmm. They love it. It's, it seems like that is a common core thing with all the shard bearers. Mm. Like they're always ripping something off of themselves or stabbing themselves or cutting themselves or killing their friends. Like it's <laughs> fascinating. I, I, I think that has a lot to do with sort of the higher tier overarching plot of the past of the world of this game, uh, which is something we could dive into if we want to, but I, I don't want to uh, potentially... Uh, turn this into a seven hour podcast where I just talk about my interpretations of lore from this game <laughs> because I could do that, Chris. I don't want to do that to you. I know. I've seen a lot of videos online of other people doing it. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, the, the story and the lore is like any other Dark Souls games where you got to kind of dig for it, and man, is it worth it? Um, you know, for both Ricard and Radon those stories are incredible. I mean, I think it's I'm really sad. I, th I think it's worth it for just about every major character. Uh, I think they are. This sure. is the first game in the series where I felt like the quality of each individual character's individual backstory has been up to par with each other. Whereas in previous souls games, you have a few fucking standouts who are like amazing, awesome, tragic characters, but mm -hmm. it feels kind of like in this game, everybody got the same level of, uh, of forethought about who they are and how that impacts the larger world and the larger story that they're trying to tell. Maybe y'all disagree with me, but I think that's true for what I have seen. No, I, I agree hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of these cutscenes too are, are amazing. They're magnificent. That first cutscene, I think with, it was a Godric. Yep in Stormvale where he cuts his own arm off and you hear him screaming and shit. Like, uh, when you get him to fucking stage two mm -hmm. and he cuts off his own hand and puts a dragon head on his arm and then uses it to belch fire into his already devastating whirlwind attacks. Yeah, that dude it's, fucking it's rules. Like a, it, that dude, yeah. That guttural scream that he's giving. Like, I could have beat him on that first try, but that cutscene made me want to see what he did with his firearm. Right. So yeah, I was like, I was like too busy paying attention to like his moves. I was like, oh, this is nuts. I do think there's there's a Margit cutscene before that, but yeah, you get Margit's yeah. cutscene where he tells you to abandon just these like, foolish yeah, ambitions. Like, that's like that's like the first Nicholas time you realize like, uh oh, I'm in for a fight. Um, but yeah, that fucking arm one is so good. Uh, I, I don't want to potentially spoil anything. Uh, Steve, have you tangled with Ricard yet? No, not yet. Okay, well, then I'll, I won't talk about Ricard, despite the fact that he is one of my favorite fights in the game so far. So, yeah, so, that, his level and, and that boss fight. Um, his fantastic. voice actor fantastic. is what really sold me on him perhaps being my favorite character in this game. 
Yeah, the voice acting is great. That's another thing I've, I've noticed. A lot of characters, there's a lot of emotion mm. behind what they're saying in these cutscenes. And, they're, you know, they're few and far between, but, man, are they important? And they really speak volumes on who these people are. For me, it was mostly that Ricard's voice actor sounds like uh, the Abbot from The Princess Bride during the marriage scene uh, if he was really <laughs> fat. <laughs> <laughs> and so to me that was like i love this guy he's the best one uh margaret is awesome um that Mar- i mean margaret's like the first gate like that's the first yes like- that's why i wanted to bring him up because yeah. uh, i mean everyone in this room we're, we've all played these games before right did anybody struggle with margaret i'm just curious yeah i did yeah. a little bit yeah i mean i think i i, I died a few times but then you know I downloaded them. Yeah, that's like that's I the thing. I I got surprise killed by that fucking light hammer because I didn't know he would have one of those <laughs> at stage two. Uh, after that, you know, I knew to stay on my guard when he got to about 50% health. But I mean, that's like the first big gate that people complain about. But I don't I really don't think he's unfair. A lot of people he's not like um, Steve. Did we try to beat him or yeah. did we try to? No, beat we God tried to beat him. We tried we to tried beat Mario and we had. Yeah, that's a. That's another thing at some point I do want to talk about is like how it lets you just like co-op explore the world with someone. Right. We Um, haven't been doing that enough because that is like some of my favorite moments in this game have been exploring with Steve and just finding weird shit. Yeah. Like when Chris and I were like running around like the opening area and we were like, oh, there's some there's like 20 dudes on that island over there. Let's go fuck them up. And we ran in and then like the first dragon (laughs) you meet fucking just comes in and murders all of them. (laughs) Agheel comes down and. We were so ready to bully those guys. We really were. We were like, oh, this is easy salt. Free easy runes. Easy runes. Free food. Fucking jumps right in front of us. Screaming. Fire. Good lord. What, what a, a game. game. What a game. Yeah, that's. I said that, I think, while playing. So, you, you know, while playing with Steve, maybe, even, when I saw that dragon. Because it shocked the shit out of me, But, man. Chris, don't you think this is a legitimate question? So I want you to think about it before you answer. Don't you think that that moment where the dragon comes down and melts all those guys would have been better if there was a big question mark on your map right over that island telling you that there's something to explore there? Dragon sightings, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all hear about those dragons? You got like a little, little animated icon telling you stuff. Yeah, like, no, I like stumbling upon that like an idiot. Aloy, and getting Aloy, there's been rumors that a dragon's gonna attack the party festival at the lake. <laughs> I like a really bad cutscene. He has a hundred arrows made just to kill that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, I, I, I saw all of the shit. I, literally, every time someone, the, the, someone found the tweet of like other game devs being like, "Wow, this game sucks, huh?" They would send it to me for some reason and be like, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I'm the token game dev now. Uh, And I want to (laughs) say there is some stuff about Elder Rings UX, UX being user experience, that does suck, right? Absolutely. Um, I think the fact that mounting the horse and dismounting the horse are two different buttons kind of sucks. I think that opening the map and closing the map being two different buttons kind of sucks. I think the fact that you can't see what status effects you have kind of sucks. Uh, Or picking up a new item and having to close it before you can do anything else, which is often while fighting something, kind of sucks, right? There's a lot of things about it that is just, like, clunky and doesn't affect the, like, yes, this is a hard game or they're supposed to be frustrating you and giving you friction. It's just, like, didn't have to be this way, right? Sure. In no way 
do I think this game needs a quest log? And a lot of the the discourse around it boiled down to like, oh, you want a big book full of clues, huh? And like, <laughs> the answer is no. No one wants that, right? I think that would that would change the core philosophy of this game, which is fucking check it out yourself. Mm-hmm. This game is Morrowind, right? Yeah. Sometimes you find a note about something far to the northeast. Go look there, and not you know. And sometimes that's a lie, right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so that's that's also yeah. not true. But I do think that there's a lot of there's aspects of this game that like legit have legitimate grievances, and they should be examined in the, both in the Dark Souls can like canon and in the way that you make games in 2022. I completely agree with that. Uh, I would say that most of the UX stuff doesn't bother me specifically, but I am a mark. I've played every single one of these games to completion. So like <laughs> my opinion, like, yeah, I'm going to let way thing. more slide than des- than should probably slide. Right. The mm. biggest thing that actually does impact my user experience is the fucking pop up when you go to summon Torrent when Torrent has died in a fight and it's like, yeah. hey, uh, do you <laughs> want to spend an Estus flask in order to resummon your horse? And you, the button to usually make pop-up messages go away is not the right button to make that one go away in the middle of a boss <laughs> fight. Yep. <laughs> usually you hit triangle I, to dismiss messages. That one you have to hit X on yes or no. Hey, yeah. this, isn't a, this isn't a UX... Because... We this is the nitpick corner right here. Absolutely. This is a nitpick. Um hey, when I'm fighting a boss and I have to like quickly do something uh from my like quick inventory, hey game, especially on the PlayStation 5, uh can you not also have my motion emotes happen? <laughs> <laughs> because that has gotten me killed so many times where I'm like, "Oh fuck, I need to like use this item." And then it's like, "Nah, you decided to do suck it chops." <laughs> I'm, well you know um i i i have uh i have heavy hands i guess is the best way to describe this and my big issue was i was using horse combat a lot and sometimes i'll depress the 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 left um was the l3 the left stick yeah the left the left stick i'll depress that and it causes you to jump <laughs> off of the horse off yeah of the horse. <laughs> So I've done that a few times in the middle of like right under somebody where I'm like circling them <laughs> and I have to get behind them and I'm like right in front of their axe and I'm like, all right, that's well, you get, you get like um, one or two iframes. So you might just be better than you think. That's the thing too. And I, I'll roll out of the way and it didn't affect me too much later on because I, I kind of adapted. A bit. It's a bad place for the get off the horse button. It is. It's, it's rough. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I started using pouches and that kind of helped me with everything. Yeah, I was know, maybe pouches. 40 hours into the game before I realized what pouches were and how to use them. <laughs> because the game like I, again, the game doesn't teach you, right? That's something that could have been part of the user experience that would have made this a little bit easier for me. But I mean, as much as the U, some parts of the UI are bad, how much of that is just carryover from the older Souls games, right? Like, at yeah. the end of the day, if Elden Ring 2 fixes the UI and doesn't have to do a whole lot because they've already built an amazing, gigantic open world, that would be fine by me. But also, knowing Miyazaki's team, they're not ever going to reuse this world right if we get an elden ring 2 it's going to be set in the far-flung future or the far-flung past and the landscape will have almost no crossover it's um it's kind of amazing that in 2019 they made sekiro 
Amazing game. Love and it. And then like three years later, they put out this game. Like, well, how long do you think they were working on this thing? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think they announced it before it 2019, but I can't remember. Cause they announced George R. R. Martin's involvement in it while game of Thrones was still on television. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, Cause that was a big link. Uh, and at the time, it was the best thing on television. Uh, but I can't, I can't remember when it was actually announced. Right, but I mean, they were probably yeah, working I, on it even before, prior to the announcement, though. I uh, without a doubt, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> I like to believe that I mean, they've was... been working on this game since Dark Souls Two, and it was like their way of being like, <laughs> "We're going to carry a bunch of DNA from Dark Souls Two over into this thing, and you're going to actually fucking love it this time, you fucking Philistines." <laughs> okay, it was announced E3 2019. Whoa. Okay. So you think it was workable back then? Like, I mean, they were definitely like working on it, but like, that's crazy. Cause you know, not to keep jumping on breath of the wild, breath of the wild was announced. Let me look real quick. That was announced in 2009. If I remember correctly. Um, (laughs) it feels like it. I think (laughs) it was, it was announced in 2014 and then that game came out 2017. I mean, All right, so three years, three yeah, years, same okay. amount of time. Yeah. All right, but like, so basically, yeah, what like, we're learning, Steve, is that three years is the perfect amount of time to work on a game. Any more than that, and you turn into Assassin's Creed. <laughs> <laughs> any <laughs> less, no, any that. more, any more for Assassin's Sorry, Creed. Any more than that, and you turn into Cyberpunk. Any less than that, and you turn into Assassin's Creed. That's. I think what's important too is I think with Cyberpunk, that was such a big jump for them, like like as far as what they were doing before and what they wanted to do. Whereas Elden Ring, yeah, it's a big jump. It's a huge achievement, but they're still working within the framework of their older games. Yeah. It's an iteration on a formula. It's It's not reinventing a wheel. That's so much more successful. I think in, in when it comes to games, I mean, then again, you get cyberpunk and it's full of bugs and they don't know what they were doing. Yeah. They were like, we need two more years of this one. Brain, I have a question. How big? How big do you, would you say the From Software team has to be in order to do this kind of game in three years? Hundreds of people. Yeah, Hundreds I would imagine. Yeah, without a doubt, because we're not just talking like core developers; we're talking localizers, mm. uh, producers, marketers testers. There's hundreds and hundreds uh, outsourced studios, black studios that you don't actually hear about because it's a Japanese company. Hmm. Uh, I would put it easily in the two or three hundred range. Um, and like, again, I'm not talking like strictly core developers. I'm not saying like 200 people made this level, right? Like, not particularly how it works, but it's, uh, a, a game like of this size is sort of like working on a movie, right? You don't mm-hmm. know every grip, mm-hmm. but there's a ton of them. Right. Uh, a lot of crew, a lot of moving parts to get everything to where it needs to be. There's also, I would without a doubt say, um, they had people building tools for this, for this kind of thing since Dark Souls one. So that you could handle those tools to other people and they could build it up fast. Um, so, like, it's there's a lot of legacy that is involved in it. Um, the pen. What is the role of really? Because I don't really know. What is the role of a game director? Like, what what do they do? Is it any different than a director on a film? Yeah, a, a director on a film, I, I would say, has more power. <laughs> um, okay. Because it's, uh, I, I'm not a, I'm not super versed in film, so I would be talking out of my ass. But a game director is more like a really high level manager um, of okay. every single part of the team to make sure that the core vision goes through. And a lot of that, a lot of that is like reviewing what has happened and being like, you know, does the suit what the game is trying to accomplish? 
overall their vision though is is what goes over right sort of like a director too. kind of they typically talk to kind all the of. leads uh, and each and every lead has their own particular like flavoring so let's imagine that the game director said i want caleb to be this place that's filled with hepatitis a and th- then the the <laughs> level designers of of caleb like the lead would be like all right cool so we need like these 20 things and these 50 things and these 80 things and they would disseminate that to the, all the people working on that then they would all come back gotcha. to the lead, lead would present it to the director and say, this is what we got. And then they would have a conversation. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I delegate and then you delegate and then they delegate and then they all come back. And then he eventually gets to look at it and put it in as the final. Piece. Pretty much. The, the weird part okay. is when you become a creative director, when you become a game director, you don't do the work anymore. <laughs> I assume this is different right. for film, but you don't, you oh. don't really do the work. You just kind of like review it. And then you'd be like, actually, can you change? Depends on the direction. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like, that sounds like George uh, Lucas, sort of. <laughs> yeah, he had a bunch of delegated people that did everything, basically, for him. And he was the final say. So, yeah, I mean, it depends on the director. But most of the time, I've always been told director's God. And he has be-all, end-all control of where the film is going. So it seems like you're right. They, they don't have, I think that's not always necessarily true though. Right. Cause doesn't the don't producers yeah. get involved on behalf of the studio to fuck things up a lot of the time. They, yeah, well, that's, that's what happens when you get a shitty well, movie. Yeah. <laughs> to stay with the souls thing. Uh, how easy is it to kill gods in these universes? So that's, yeah, that's the, that's yeah, that's true. the producers and the studios. <laughs> They come in and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, Radon. Uh, I'm going to fucking curse you to have to eat all your friends forever. Bye. (laughs) I saw an interview with uh, Miyazaki, the creative director of this game, where he said that very often what he'll do when he's asking for a specific kind of environment or a specific kind of thing. I want a castle, right? Uh, Hmm. He'll give it to his lead artist and say, give me a concept for a castle. And they'll come back with like something. And then he'll ask like, hey, can you make that more elegant, though? That's something that he really likes to instill in his creations. It has to be an elegant viewing of this kind of thing. Just because it's filled with pus and rotting, it doesn't have to be gross. It can be elegant. Right. I, I saw that same interview. It was like the uh, the artist gave him, uh, it was for the gaping dragon from Dark Souls 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gave uh, like this like bloated, like pustulated, weeping, gross version of a dragon. And Miyazaki's response was like, not necessarily can you make it more elegant he was like can you convey the dignity of a dragon (laughs) who is in an endless cycle of rebirth and death and withering away from the majesty it once had and like that is such an interesting way to try to convey a (laughs) thought to another human being especially an artist like it just made me fall in love with the the direction these games take Hey dummy, make that dragon more sexy. Hey, That's all he needs. Can you to make say. can you make the pus dragon a little sexier? Come on. I mean, no, he still like called a- it the gaping dragon. Come on, guys. Yeah, come on. Come on. This isn't that. How much dignity does the gaping dragon really have? There's a lot of there I see that now. Now you bring that up with the elegance thing because I see like a lot of bloodborne having some of the most dreary, dark, disgusting environments but looking just looking like an old ruin that you would see in Rome or Greece or in England somewhere. Like it still has this foot in his history. I think that's what makes the, the aesthetic of these games work for me personally. It was something I fell in love with all the way back in demon souls that 
every environment, everything that is crafted to go into the game is part of the story of the area you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you walk into old Yarnum, which is, you know, sealed away in the first Bloodborne. You open that door and the first thing you see is this beautiful, huge cityscape. Someone made this. Someone created this for a purpose that then got perverted by the bad things that happened to this world. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. And there's a, there's a beauty and a grace in the actual architecture right down to like the design of the clothes people wear and stuff like that, that leads you to believe that this was a place that was perhaps even thriving sometime long ago before all of the bad things happened that you are now stuck trying to solve. Yeah. It's kind of like amazing. Cause it's like the, the and I'm gonna use Demon Souls because that's like kind of my only point of reference to the past games. Um, the fact that like you go through this like fucking dreary ass, dreary ass swamp, and it's like filled with like rot, and you get sick throughout, and it's like who's the final boss of this level? Oh, it's yeah. like a it's like a shiny knight and a nun. Yep, Maiden Maiden Estrella <laughs> and Garl Vinland, two of my favorite characters in all of the games. And it's like it just it just stands out from the rest of the level. Like it cuz it's like you're like how did how did this become like the boss of this level? You know whenever it, this is a common theme in most Souls games, what is like the road to hell is paved in good intentions. Mm -hmm. Like we we see a lot of characters do something that they think will save the world or save their town and it ruins everything. Yeah. And we're stuck in that. And we see it and we're like, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> Why is everything on fire and Freaking rotting? Down. And like, well, like before it was, it was a lot worse. And I tried. I don't think it was like, worse guys. I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> like you, you from your perspective are like, yeah, that, this is terrible. It can, can't I'll be never... worse. But then they're like, it was I'll worse, never forget <laughs> when Tim, when we uh, we were going up the elevator in Demon Souls to fight the final boss, Tim and uh, I. Yep, yep. And like, and this is to like point out like the elegance in the design, like when they add it to like these castles and stuff. Like, he Tim pointed out to me, he's like, "Yo, look inside the fucking like walls of the elevator, and you just see like the little people, like the little like rotted like zombie husks." just like cranking the elevator to make it go up. Cause they don't have elevators in like ye olden times. So it's like these little like famished, like monster people, like trying their best to still be elevator operators. Like it, it reminds me of Snowpiercer, like the children stuck in the gears, like doing stuff. Like yep. it was that essentially. To serve a great, it's purpose, gross, you know? but there is elegance rain. You're 100% correct. It's incredible. Um, I do want to speak in defense of Maiden Australia just real quick. Uh, Chris, oh, you Tim, said you're always that trying to defend Maiden Australia. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Garl Vinland for Maiden Australia Tim real Vinland. quick. You mentioned that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, Maiden Australia is, for my, to my recollection, the only character in the entire Soul series that knew what she was doing was perhaps not the right thing. Uh, but she did it because it was the most immediate way to help the people that were suffering in the Lake of Rot or the Swamp of Sorrows or whatever the fuck it was called. Um, she literally became a demon so that she would have the power to provide for all of the cast off demi-human things that get, you know, thrown in there. And, you know, you could 
you could kind of say the same thing about Astorius. Too, uh, Astorius right? is, a, is another form. tragic character, and that's I think the tragic characters in the Souls games are the ones I like the most. Uh, Astorius, yes, he was trying to find a way to seal the abyss before he became consumed by it. Great, stuff. love it. I mean that that's the core essence of good villains, right? You kind of agree with them in you, a you way. You come to the conclusion. You, understand, you, you understand why they went to the extremes that they did, even though, like Chris, you and I know that going into the abyss sounds like a really fucking stupid idea. <laughs> if I were him, I would have stayed outside of it and just killed anything that tried to leave. Yeah, the smart right. move with your dog and exactly. hang out, and be a be a bro, be bros, <laughs> just be bros. Uh, so if we can get back in the nitpick corner real quick, there is actually something that I do have a nitpick on and it's lore based. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's the fact that this game, as much as I love it and as much as I love the lore and the characters and the world and everything they've done in order to create this amazing experience for me, I can't help but feel that the story, the overarching story of this game is one Miyazaki has done like four times before. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a little bit over his ruminating on the concept of cycles. Um, I, I know why he does it, like write what you know, and this is obviously something that is fascinating to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but this story, you could literally replace the principal characters in this game with the characters from Dark Souls One and literally nothing would be different. <laughs> and that's that's like a problem for me as a nerd who really likes the lore of these games. Uh, it kind of feels like we're doing the same thing again. Instead of the the first flame, it is the Elden Ring. Um, instead of Gwyn, Lord of Cinders, it's Godfrey, first Elden Lord. Um, oh, and, and you know, actually, when you get to the end, because you're at the mountain top yes, of giants, yes. right? There's a particular scene that I'm like, mm, saw that before. Okay. <laughs> like that, right out of something. That said, the ancillary uh, characters are way one. better. Like, Rani uh, and Blaith feel like way more fully fleshed out characters than except for maybe Sigmire of Katarina from three. Um, this is like the best writing for character storyline quest we've gotten so far to yeah. my mind. You can disagree with me if you want to, but I can't think of a better example. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I like the side missions in most souls games too, because they're given a lot of gravitas, mm-hmm. even though you, you don't think they would, would, even in the beginning of the quest, you're like, oh, that sounds stupid. And then you start doing it and you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? There's a lot more to this than I thought. Um, that being said, I I, I think, or, or no, not that being said, but in agreement, I think the rainy storyline, the mm-hmm. sideline, the side story of her, fantastic. Like all the characters in that are amazing. Yeah, yeah her, her and Blade are great cast. Yeah. Like it's... What a great yeah. cast for a side mm-hmm. mission. Yep. Like... My so favorite. that's my favorite part of the game. Um, it's the doing that entire side quest. I looked it up, a lot of parts of it, because I really didn't want to miss it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, where is where is this person? Where is that person? I'm not going to spoil it for Steve. Um, but it's, uh, the, I think it's the, my favorite part of the game. I think that the the fact that they tied it into the ending as well was super smart. They knew that the play, yeah. that's exactly what the player is going to be invested in, right? And I was hella invested in it. Um, the uh, I loved everything about Blaith. I loved everything about everything surrounding him. Uh, just a yeah probably my favorite side character blaze blaze um again i'm trying to speak lightly but i think i'm going to make a reference to a thing steve's not familiar with because i don't think steve played dark souls one i have not i have it i I think that blaze for me felt like solaire done right aha okay um and that's something i could speak on more but i don't want to 
<laughs> yeah yeah i agree with that. i agree yeah uh i mean i, I love I, think- I love solaire i have a t-shirt with solaire on it i love the praise the sun meme um that's like the one meme from dark souls that doesn't drive me fucking crazy uh i am sick to death of seeing oh you don't have the right in front of every goddamn door in this game um i will say this i think solaire is a little more vulnerable i i agree with that but I think that I care more about Blade than I ended up caring about Solaire. Well, of course you care more about Puppy Dog Night. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, true. That's a- <laughs> Eight foot tall dog night. <laughs> He's got a lot of bad guys. Good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just think this game is incredible. Um, there's... Uh, I'm afraid to say what I what it, I feel in my heart because again, we're all a different. Two of you have finished it. Steve and I are close, I think, in what we've accomplished, but we may have done it in such different ways that I like my. I know that my path through the game so far is not going to match up with Steve's because I definitely did things in the wrong order. Like you know, I I well, I, don't played, I played Mega Man Two the wrong way. Like it's 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 a game about just like getting fucking lost in this world and like trying to find your way through it essentially definitely i think that first your first run through is that 100 percent. and when you beat it because like i personally i i missed a whole section of the map mm. like there's a whole section of the map that i haven't even uncovered yet and i beat the game and now i'm gonna go back and kind of do the things i missed yeah. like i'm i'm constantly intimidated like there are points where I'm intimidated by this game because in my head it is still like unraveling and sure. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have started three, four times over again to make characters based off weapons. I kept finding (laughs) (laughs) I start. All right. I made, I made Frankenstein and then I made link and then I made an evil version of link who used knives and then I found a whip and I was like, Oh, I'll make it Simon Belmont. So I started the game four times, but like, and now you're back on link, right? Uh, link. Yeah. I'm focusing on, um, Oh, what is his name? Uh, Ravio. Ravio. Yeah. Thank you. Ravio. Cause yeah. I named him after, um, I named him after uh, the uh, link between worlds version of link. The little rabbit link. Yeah. The little Hell rabbit yeah. link. Hell yeah. With the purple hair. Yeah, dude. Like between worlds, fucking rules. That game's that so game's good. incredible. That game yeah. is incredible. Um, so good. But yeah, I was like, I'm gonna make a, like a little bandit link that like runs around and causes trouble in this world of Elden Ring. But like the thing is, it's just like I'm intimidated because in my head, this game keeps going. I haven't discovered like the end yet. In Breath of never in Breath of the Wild, anything. like one of the first things I did was I made sure to climb all of like the little towers to like kind of like have that area mapped off fill out the map and see what's there like elden ring it keeps going (laughs) getting bigger yeah i went up on an elevator lift into like fancy town and then there's like oh you're fancy town there's like two like uh tree sentinels (laughs) hanging out and i'm like uh no not today yeah i was like no thanks uh, the first time I walked into the capital city, like the actual legacy dungeon capital oh. city, like my jaw hit the floor oh. and I was like, holy God shit. Damn. That looks amazing. <laughs> and the fact that the thing that's at its core, the centerpiece, you can move on and yes. walk on. Yep. Oh, and in fact, have, and in fact, have to, to get to certain areas. 
Um, just incredible wow. level design. Uh, uh, the Souls games, I think, are known for their incredible dungeon designs more than... Uh, I mean, not as much as their difficulty. Difficulty is the thing people like to talk about. But for me, what stand, made them stand out in the first place was the level designs. Uh, what I think is very interesting about this game is how they know that I know what their tricks are and they subvert my expectations all the time. Like having played a lot of Souls games, you walk into a small room in a castle or whatever, and you know, you fucking know there's an enemy waiting to stab you in the asshole on the left-hand side of the door (laughs) that you walked into. So you walk in and immediately turn to the left, and then somebody grabs you from above and starts slitting your throat, and you're like, what the fuck? This game rules. (laughs) It's the three zombie problem, right? Yes. You walk into a room, there's a treasure chest. You go open the treasure chest, so you're not looking left or right. <laughs> you kill the one guy next to the treasure chest. You get stabbed to the left. You get stabbed to the right. Right? Yep. Uh, it's 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 classic. It's what the thing they do best. Sometimes it's full. It's like it. I feel like Joe Pesci. I feel like Joe Pesci in Home Alone, where I like I tap every doorknob before I go because <laughs> I know there's like there's a big flamethrower. It's gonna burn my head. Like I gotta be careful. You know, like that's every chest. Yep. And I have. I still open every treasure chest and immediately roll out of the way because the I'm same not. Thing. I do the same thing. I'm like, this shit's going to teleport me to some psycho area of the map. I bet See, I've never gotten teleported. I'm afraid it's going to be a mimic. Like me it's souls one where it eats your fucking brain. Well, I'm just going based off Chris's story where he ended up in a mine in a mine. A mine. I ended up in a mine surrounded. <laughs> like you are fucking surrounded. The moment you enter that mine in that from that chest. And it's, like I, I had to stay there and figure out what. Was I mean, I, I fought game. that that uh that big worm from that mine. I did, oh, I cats. did that because you have to yes. do that to get the Moonvale katana, I believe, right? Yeah, but man. like, still though, like the fact, like if I got that in the beginning of the game, because that mine or that that treasure chest is like at that like starting lake area. Yep. If I did that at yep. that point in the game, I wouldn't be ready. I, I wouldn't be ready, dude. <laughs> You know, it, it kind of made me want to get better when I got trapped there because I was like, okay, I need to get strong enough to clear this whole fucking place mm-hmm. out. And it just kept me, it kept the ball rolling, you know, like, and then then I walked in and saw Caleb for the first time. I'm like, what? This is great. <laughs> this is great. Um, and I, <clears throat> that was the moment I, I might have fell in love with the game, um, truly. Because I didn't expect what I walked out into. It was shockingly beautiful and scary and sad, which is a hallmark of these. Yes, (laughs) it really is. Um, I just want to I want to read the room real quick. Can I get a gauge on what everyone's least favorite monster in the game is? Uh, That would be the um, oh, my God. Basilisk by far. Same that is the basilisk. <laughs> when I saw they, those, I've hated those things since Dark Souls. Chris, won. <laughs> when I saw, when I saw, like I locked onto something in a, I was in an ant tunnel, and I just fought an yeah. enormous ant, and I was like, "Fuck this!" And I locked onto something, and I couldn't tell what it was, and I got closer, and I saw those fucking googly-eyed motherfuckers from Dark Souls One. I wanted to put down my controller and walk away from the game forever because I hate them. I did the so Joker laugh when I first saw them. 
I was just cackling like, ah, they did it I again. I was so furious <laughs> that they would dare bring my least favorite enemy from the entire series back. But I learned to respect the decision. I was wow. fucking furious. Yeah, their placement is always the funkiest. That's why I hate them. Elden Ring. And like most games, you know, they're they just pop out of nowhere. The, like these they, coming out of a lake of rot. Like, what the fuck are you doing <laughs> in there? Come on. Like, yeah, easily. easily. Like, it wasn't bad enough that I can walk about eight feet before I get scarlet rot. I have to be chased by those motherfuckers the entire time. That place is a real, a real kick. It's a real, a real hoot nanny. It's, it's a real laugh and a half. You're going to love it, Steve. <laughs> To, I will. I give you Basilisk based on PTSD, but I think that Knife <laughs> Eagles are the absolute worst enemies in the game. Oh, yeah, baby. I can kill a Basilisk. You just jump at it, right? The right. Knife Eagle can't do shit. No. My sword's just not big enough. <laughs> when I first saw the Knife Eagles, I was like, well done, Miyazaki. You finally, <laughs> finally gotten away from the criticism that any kind of dog is the worst enemy to fight in a Souls game. You've made something even more infuriating to go against. Oh shit! When when it breathed, when it breathed, when it breathed fire on me, um, I was like, <laughs> and it killed right. me with that. I laughed. Oh, when they fucking die, start dive bombing you with exploding barrels. I was. Who like, gave them barrels? Who the fuck gave them barrels? Right? How do they even hold it? And they're little talons. They got swords holding swords. I know they're they're multitaskers. <laughs> Ugh, those are the, the the dirt worst. Is what I'll tell you what are. with the Reduvia knives, not that hard. Must be nice. Not that hard. It it is nice. How do you get close? Well, the Reduvia is the weapon art is it shoots like a blood uh, wave out, so oh. I can just like range them. But also, yeah, they do suck when they throw barrels at you from afar, like Donkey Kong. <laughs> So after 70 hours of using the sword with no special powers on it and realizing that some swords have special powers, I found a dragon <laughs> sword that was very cool looking and it did everything I wanted it to do and it's a curved great sword and its special power was jumping at the ground and making a pool of lava. And you know what <laughs> fucking doesn't matter to anything? A pool of lava around where you are. Because <laughs> they'll just leave or fly away or turn into a fucking winged man and time bomb at you over the pool of lava. It was me and my 67 you know, FP aren't doing shit. <laughs> I, I learned that with the hard way with, with Godric. <sighs> because he does, it's a cool move, but it's it's an a- AOE mm-hmm. attack. And people just, they're just too fast. For yeah, that. The, the, the one enemies. thing it did help was the, the invisible assassins. I just stand in it. They got to come so, eventually. <laughs> Interesting. They don't have to. Oh, they do, Steve. They <laughs> to they them, they, I've got. I got dinner later. I got to do it now. <laughs> uh, I was for a long time. I was using the death's poker, which you get from the big bird in Caleb. Uh, and that weapon art lets you make that black flame fire on the ground, uh, which is part fire damage, part frost damage, and part magic damage. So. You shoot like a trail of it out on the floor, and most enemy AI will get like stun locked into it because it does that like ticking damage over time. Mm. And because it's multiple oh, types of damage, almost power. everything would get stun locked into it. And it was really fun, but it was kind of like cheating. So I ended up moving away from that weapon. No, you got it. You got to cheat. You got to cheat these games. <laughs> you got to cheese it. You're going to need that <laughs> later on, Tim. Well, I mean, I, can, I mean, I, I still have the stats for it, even though I'm I'm rocking the, the Dark Moon Greatsword right now. 
I actually for for like the last boss, um, I changed up my weapons. Like I I, I started using uh, the Godskin Peeler, which is like a twin yep. blade, mm-hmm. and I applied frost to that, and that would just decimate anything in front of me. But the very last boss, I had to switch up to both fire and ice. I used like a that magma sword. And the blade of Zadar or Zadar. Oh, uh, the blade remember. of Robert Zadar gives you a really big face. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that chin. That that was that was a game ender. Two handing weapons. Like I didn't know how effective that was until the very end of the game. I was like, Jesus Christ! I should have been oh, doing always two hand your weapons. Yeah, you got a two hand your oh, weapon. Shit. Except so for I, daggers, don't do I, that. <laughs> I beat the game very fast, and there was one person I knew that beat it before I did. Uh, and they were telling me like, oh, I found this, this awesome cheese in the final boss, but I can't talk about it because no one's there. And I was at the final boss and I was walling for a while. I, I fought it for like two hours. And I was like, all right, let me, what's the cheese? Let me know. Let me know what it is. I'm going to try it. And they were like, oh, you do this and this and this. And it came out to just like spam frost, right? That was the, that was the cheese. Yeah, yeah. So I tried spamming frost for an hour or two and then it was fucking late. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way one time. I'm going to go back to my big sword. I'm going to summon my best friend, which is me. And, yeah. <laughs> and the two of us are gonna just try to fucking stomp our way through and that's the time that i won it, it you yeah. just gotta do what you're comfortable with yeah that really that's is true. there's a lot of truth that, that was the thing that because when i first played demon souls i fucking hated it and <laughs> you did you were so mad at me for even suggesting so that you mad. might like that game i was so mad at it because i tried to do what everybody on the internet told me to do they were like, this is the best weapon for a starting player to one of these. Be a royal. Use this little thing. And so I was like, fuck, man. And then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos of people having so much fun while playing. I'm like, let me try again. I'm going to be a big, strong boy. I'm going to have a big, strong sword. And I had so much more fun just doing it yes. like that. Because that was the way I was just like, I'm not going to think. I'm just going to swing the biggest sword I can. And it was a ton of fun. So like going about these games it's you're making you're making the fun it's just you need to find what's fun for you 100 percent, and I, I, that requires a little experimentation on your on your end if you're not familiar with yeah. these games and some people are not up for that they want to just jump in do what they want to do or do what they're told to do to get where they need Gross. to go and that usually doesn't work <laughs> you know what i mean doesn't work for these yeah I, I think that's pretty much a nail on the head for the milieu of the soul series in general because i think that applies to not just how you want to play through the game i think it applies to how you want to experience the story i think it applies to how you want to build a character how you want to um engage with either summons or multiplayer or whatever this the games are kind of designed to be uh like a theme park that you design around yourself mm-hmm. and right. i think the onus is on you constantly right. to enjoy and if, by and large the games respect your choices uh the only one that i would argue does not have that kind of mentality is sekiro which is a much different beast entirely i would say it's very good it's just not my favorite. Yeah, I could never, I could never get into the combat. That was too hard for me. It's, it's a very it's difficult game. <laughs> Parrying is hard. That, that said, though, right? the, the Genichiro fight is, I think, my favorite fight in a Souls game. Period. That <laughs> first fight with Genichiro is absolutely incredible, start to finish. 
uh, uh, Rain was talking about a, a cheese strat he tried on the final boss. Can mm-hmm. I talk about the cheese strat I tried to do in Radon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do want to hear this story. Okay, so Tim Tim came in one day because like I was fighting uh, Radon and I was having I was having a tough time. And Tim's like, "Hey, hey, did you see? There's an easy way to beat Radon. All you got to do is climb a mountain." And he accidentally dies because there's like some sort of bug in the game where you climb the mountain. And then when he tries to get up there, he just dies. He falls. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. So like it took me a little bit to play it, but like there was an update to the game. And then I was like, all right, let's go beat this motherfucker the cheese way. And so like I'm doing it. Things are going really well. I'm like, all right, let's take him up this mountain. I get up to the top of the mountain and suddenly my character T-poses and just fucking dies. Like, <laughs> so apparently somebody from software was like, oh, you're trying to beat the big boy? Nah, nah, nah. We're flipping. We're flipping the script. You try to break our game, we break you. So I was like, damn, dude. Damn. So that What mountain are you talking about? So there's about? like literally a cliffside. You never get close to it. But if you, if you get him to after post-asteroid form, Okay. You can kind of like kite him to like the wall and then you can kind of climb the wall, which is like a mountain. Are you talking about the wall that's like yeah, all, the way, dude. all the way on the far left yeah. side? There's like tree roots that you can yeah. climb with torrent. And before the patch, uh, you would climb up there. And since he can't get to you, uh, the game's AI would freak out. <laughs> and after 30 seconds, it would just kill him because in all of the Souls games, uh, in order to prevent your character from getting stuck, any character really from getting stuck in the geometry, if they don't move for 30 seconds, they die. Right? Wow. So what would happen is before the patch, you would climb up onto the thing and you would be able to move, but Radon couldn't get to you. And so his AI would not be able to path to you and he would just suddenly kill himself. Um, <laughs> but they changed that in the patch. Like I literally told Steve about this and that night the patch came out and then he went and tried it and they reverted it to kill you for trying to Tim, I boss. fucking just dropped dead. I dropped dead, Tim. But then, you know, then I fought him. The very him. next try, you fought him the right way yeah. and you won. Yeah. Um, That's all that matters, yeah. man. You went in there, did what you had to do on that next try, kicked beat his, his butt. You know, you know, actually, to also, be fair, I was about to die and Blaith came in and fucking saved the day. Fucking dog-faced Ooh. hero. Love him. <laughs> oh, and that end when you beat Radon... <laughs> holy mm. crap i was not expecting that at all that nuke that well, goes he off has been holding the stars in their orbit for millennia there's a lot of pent-up energy there a lot of stars fucking giant hole in the world now that you can go yep. down Jeez, that's so cool all right <laughs> fucking love that shit man so can i ask you guys one word what is the what is one word that you when you think of this game, you would tell someone like, like, give me a one word, uh, um, just review or in, like in, in com- a one word, like encompassment of like what Elden Ring is where it's like, if someone's just like describe this game in one word, like, what is this? Hmm. Repercussions. You- repercussions why yes. why repercussions because the choices that you make are the things that you do every choice that you make for your character whether it's the weapon you're choosing or you know the stats you're putting into your character or the things you're pursuing those have like ripple effect repercussions on how you're going to experience that game 
that game world. Like if I hadn't fully explored Limgrave and I fucked off to Raya Lucaria at the very beginning of the game, like Rain did, my entire experience or how I built out my character or how I thought about the lore and the world of this game would have completely changed. Yeah, and that's not necessarily good or bad repercussions. Right, it's just repercussions. repercussions. Mm. Yeah, I get you. That's a good one. If I wanted someone to play, I would say Jackass. Okay, like... Because a lot of the fun that I get out of most of these games is experimenting, and with that comes a healthy dose of, like, jumping off cliffs, Mm. (laughs) running into a monster I shouldn't at that time and getting destroyed and i tend to laugh that stuff off like i'm watching like jackass Mm. the show uh that's how i would get somebody to want that has never played these games before i would say that yeah i think a lot of people who are new to this series they get a little too hung up on losing souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. Well, we've seen that with a lot of our friends in the discord who get very upset when they lose, you know, 20,000 souls or whatever. But, you know, us, us big boys who've been playing these games for years, we're like, eh, anything less than a hundred thousand. I don't even sweat it anymore. If you didn't spend them, you didn't have them. Right. Yeah, you didn't spend them, you didn't have them, and half the time I die, it's in a ludicrous, dumb way. It's slapstick, Chris. It's like, these these games are like the Evil Dead 2 of, like, (laughs) open-world action games. (laughs) That's a very good way to put it. Uh, Yeah, but it's just, you can embrace that silliness that's, I think, inherent in all of these games. You're going to love it. There's nothing more freeing than losing a bunch of souls and then just being able to just keep going in, get your fucking face smacked in. Because like once you get over that hump of losing a bunch of souls, you're like, oh, I've got nothing to lose now. This dude's fucking this dude's getting all of my shit. Right. It's a weight off. Once you realize you have nothing to lose because it's a fucking video game and you can always get those experience points back. Like (laughs) you become the thing the game should be afraid of because you're so much more (laughs) willing to play fast and loose and make the dumb decisions or go for that extra greedy hit when you shouldn't. uh, And you fucking win those fights more often than not. I'm John in Knoxville and I'm going to fight this weird cat gargoyle. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of what every boss fight to me seems like. <laughs> At least the first fight. Like, the first time you fight any boss, you're like, yeah, let's see what happens. And you get immediately slapped down, and you're like, well, I <laughs> The moment that really broke me of, like, giving a shit about that kind of thing in the series was, Steve, you linked me to a video of Vinny from Giant Bomb getting fucking, like, big booted off a cliff in Dark Souls <laughs> 1 by that big giant skeleton he couldn't that big possibly giant that hit around the corner yes picks him. exact same thing happened to me when I first got to the Tomb of the Giants in Dark Souls 1 that is just a big skeleton who kicks you in the fucking face and you fall off this little ledge that you're running on and that was the moment for me that I was like well I can't take anything that happens in these games seriously anymore if that's a possibility right if I could just be going about my business and the largest skeleton I've ever seen kicks me into a dark <laughs> hole well my expectations about the world have changed now. Somebody went to Home Depot, bought that big skeleton, and taught it how to kick. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so Rain, how about you? Do you have a one-word um, descriptor for Elden Ring that you would give someone? Yeah, I would say emergent. Emergent. Um, a, a lot of people talk about emergent gameplay, and almost always when they say that, they mean something like Minecraft or Fortnite, right? Of like, it's actually a social space and the game is a background to it. And I think that Elden Ring actually is a social space and the gameplay is a background element to it, unless you are playing it very much solo. There's never been a more cooperative Elden Ring. Uh, There's never been a more cooperative Elden Ring offline where you talk about what happened to you. 
um, uh, Souls game that is not yeah. opening. Sorry, has there been a more cooperative Souls game where you talk about the thing you just did and hearing the story is always interesting and it's not. It's almost always never the same thing you've done before. Yeah, no, it's like absolutely I, true. I, I agree. Mean, like the word I would say, the word I would use is discovery, but I would I mean it in the sense of like you're discovering the world, but also also you're discovering your 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 what you like what entertains you in this game like like you're mm. smacking your head against stuff but like at the end of the day like there's so much variety in this game that there is definitely a shoe in this game for your play type for you, what you want so you're discovering the world you're discovering how you want to go about it yeah, it's absolutely like a very independent experience, you know, like everybody has something new to bring to the table for their experiences. And and that's always fun to talk about with a video right. game. And it's 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 we haven't talked about that for a video game in a really long time. No, it's, it's absolutely incredible to me like that our entire community on the discord, which you should join, by the way, if you're listening to this, um, is still constantly talking about Elden Ring and we have all had vastly different play experiences in terms of when we hit certain bosses or what were like, you know, progress gates for us versus what wasn't. And it, it's like really interesting um, to see how everyone is tackling these problems. It, it's like a mm -hmm. weird personality litmus test almost. Uh, but mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people who thinks that your ability to play games is some somehow like, related to your cognitive abilities or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's really interesting to see that like, uh, for example, Stin is in level the eighties, uh, level wise and hasn't hit some of the things that I hit or, and has discovered things that I haven't fucking run into. Um, because the game is so wildly open and each choice you make, each thing you find interesting, each path, each like mountain path you decide to walk down will lead you to another two to three hours of content. Um, is just absolutely wild to me. Very true. Very true. How do, how do, how do you wrap this, this business up? Do you, do you talk about one out of 10 times you'd fuck it? What is the thing you do? Yeah, so, do we do an <laughs> MFK or Chris, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? How do you want to, how do you want to? <laughs> well, like we're all going to marry this thing, right? If I do MFK, I think that's nah, why, I mean, I think that's, oh, damn, dude. No, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the ultimate souls move. <laughs> that UX experience is really rough. I'm going to kill it. It's going to come back. <laughs> wow. Did you guys hear? Christian, Christian fucking killed Elden. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Galani had shattered the rune of death and death. So it didn't actually matter. Yeah, oh, see, God, see, it's, it's all right. It's a loop. I did it with my teeth. Oh, teeth. oh man. I'm like just a donut. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, um, I will say this. Um, I feel really bad for other AAA games coming out this year because they're not going to garner my attention. Right. God, well, like we're talking right now about like, oh, did you play this? Did you play that? There's a couple of games came out in the indie space that are really good that don't exist because Elder Ring has just completely subsumed them. Like there's nothing. Nobody gives a shit about anything but Elder Ring right now, and it's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the the problem when you release a big one that's been highly anticipated and actually and fucking hit it out of the park. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the conversation for everything else kind of dims down, you know, and and that becomes the most dominant. After you know, well, there could be good stuff coming out. I really don't. Well, know. I'll I'll say no. this: a, a wit rank Elden Ring on your list of Souls's. 
Oh. I think that's a better way to, because they're all good, and we, everyone's yeah. going to marry this one. But, like, how yeah. good is it in the Pantheon of Souls? It's my favorite one. I don't know. It's like, it's almost no question for me. Like, I love one. That's my favorite before this. I could right. spend an entire it's podcast explaining so well. why you're wrong about that. Chris, but... are, are you putting, does that also <laughs> include Bloodborne? It includes Bloodborne and the Clue Sacro. Yeah, it includes Bloodborne in that list. Bloodborne is my was my favorite from soft no. game uh, until until now. Bloodborne two. What if they just do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many more trick weapons and shit. If they do Bloodborne two um, in an open world, I'm gonna cut off my own right arm and graft a dragon head onto it. <laughs> that's the dream, right? So cut off your arm that's... and put a dragon's head on it. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. clearly that's the dream, Steve. <laughs> The dream is this to be translated to Bloodborne 2 for me. I think that would be perfect. You know? I mean, I, I'm not... I don't want to downgrade this at all because I, I think it's beautiful and it's the best It's the best Souls game thus far. But man, oh man, a Bloodborne 2 like this would be something. If else. they... Okay, so if they went back to the well on how they made Souls games... I'm, I'm sorry for keep extending this. Would it be for the worst like if they were like oh we're gonna do this like kind of more like classic a little more i know those the souls games aren't as linear linear um but uh like if they if they didn't make You're it as open they, as elden ring it, if the scale goes down yeah do, do you think like they can't go back now kind of like how pokemon Arce uh, arceus can't kind of go back legends or whatever it is yep i don't think so <laughs> Because I think what really comes down to it is not necessarily the open world's great and it's important to the Elden Ring as a whole, but really what we all talk about is level design. Mm -hmm. And if they're still making great levels, even in a smaller scale, I, I don't, I don't care. It's still no. Great. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the same boat because it's like Elden yeah. Ring, like, like that's a game that just like I want to get lost in. I want to just keep finding stuff. I want to find like some weird fucking boss in the middle of nowhere. Like I, I have been for the past like seventy two hours in that game. Uh, but like when I'm playing Demon Souls, Demon Souls is like fucking. It's kind of like Mega Man because it's like here's a bunch <laughs> of levels. Choose which of the bosses you want to fight like in the path. That's true. And then you fight Wily at the end. I don't want another Elden Ring, right? I don't want another open world game. Yeah. I think that something that FromSoft does kind of better than anyone else is that every single game they have has chemistry, mm -hmm. but it's not the same game, right? Bloodborne is right. not Sekiro. It's not Dark Souls 3. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Elden Ring was almost, was the, the level design of Elden Ring is Dark Souls 4 to me. And the rest of it is Elden Ring. So in that, I hope they don't make another open world game. I really don't. I want another. I would like to see what Dark Souls 4 looks like now knowing all the stuff they know about this one. Yeah, I think what they take away and what has been polished is really going to be the most important things that carry. Yeah, like not so much the, the, the scale and the size of the open world that they use. I don't want to ride a horse in Bloodborne, you know, I feel like that ruins it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Motorcycle. It would be like a carriage, right? A horse Mo carriage. Motorcycle would be pretty fucking cool. Um, <laughs> Breath of the Wild Link rides a motorcycle. So, ranking of the Souls games, yeah, I have to agree. It's at the top for me, too. Uh, Bloodborne and Demons were probably my other two favorites. Demons mostly because it was like, you know, you never forget your first. Uh, and I just loved that game so fucking much back in 2009. Mm -hmm. um having played the remake i still love it but it has aged 
Um, you know, there's some design sensibilities that clearly didn't really work even back then. Um, but yeah, Elden Ring is as, like I said before, it's as close to a perfect 10 as I could reasonably get for me and where I'm at in my life at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do agree with Rain. Um, I think this has to be its own thing. I feel like I don't want to see FromSoft branch out into exclusively open world designs. I think mm-hmm. there's their core strength is making worlds that feel lived in. And I don't feel that it is necessarily sustainable to repeat this magic trick again. Mm-hmm. Um, I would much rather see them do something a little more contained in the future. Hopefully that's more Bloodborne. Uh, but if they wanted to do something completely new like they did with Sekiro, I'd be fine with that too. What I don't want to see cool. is a return to the Dark Souls franchise. I think 3 wraps up that series just about as perfectly as you possibly can, uh, lore-wise. And I just I, I don't want to go back to the world of the Furtive Pygmy and the Dark Sign and all that shit anymore. I think we're good. I want to see new ideas. Yeah, you know, actually, believe it or not, I heard somewhere that FromSoft is working on a 40K game. God, I hope not. With Henry Cavill. <laughs> All right, this just sounds that like is something... that is an April Fool's joke. I'm not. That might be that might be an April Fool's joke. I'm not quite sure. Henry Cavill from Software. I feel like you know because they're the front mission guys too, right? Uh, no, the Square. Radio no, not front mission. Uh, what is the, what is their core, armored core? Armored core. They're gonna make a big big mech game. Uh, they're actually gonna make uh, Kingsfield Four with Henry Cavill. Yes, they're doing it, baby. <laughs> PlayStation. <laughs> They're bringing it back. The Kingsfield uh, games <laughs> fucking suck, but I would play a Kingsfield four. <laughs> if you put you put Miyazaki on a game, I'll play it. At this point, yeah, I'm at that level too. I would not put Elden Ring as my number one. I think Dark Souls one is still my number one. Uh, wow, th- th- this is probably driven entirely I by that I fucking hate overworld games, even the greatest one. Like I just can't. There's parts of it that I don't like. That's um, fair. This is a this is probably like also a game dev thing, right? I've played so many fucking games, I can see the seams. In Elden Ring, it took a really long time to see the seams, but on my fifth catacomb, I realized there was a catacomb prefab, right? Right. And then mm-hmm. I just like the magic wasn't lost, but it was definitely diminished. Sure. And I was like, all right, the, all right, I know this enemy. They're gonna do this. This is the way to fight them. This is another black knife assassin. This is another uh, godskin, whatever. Um, and I I, I like contained things because they don't have to stretch themselves so thin to make those interesting boss fights. So Demon uh, Dark Souls 1 is still like it for me. And then Elden Ring. And then probably Bloodborne. Yeah, that's that's about my top three. And then the rest and then Dark Souls 2 at the end. I see that's where I really disagree. (laughs) 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 That's for sure. Different podcast. I think 3 is the best Dark Souls game for lore and the worst Dark Souls game for playing and enjoying it. But that's me. <laughs> yeah. That's very That's true. just me. What can I say? I'm I'm a Steve? snob. Well, he's only played demons in this one, I've so I think I know which two. one's going to be on top. Okay, so here's the thing. It's going to be Demon Souls. Here it is. <laughs> Demon Souls is a game that I like it's it's it was more manageable to learn all of it. I learned the ins and outs of that game to the point where I went from like knowing nothing about that game and being like completely lost. I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? It's so hard <laughs> to being like, all right, here's the shortcut. You tumble down here, you go down here, you do this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, keep fucking fighting this enemy over and over again to get like really cheap, easy souls to farm. 
uh, go to this map to get this weapon really early on. So you have a good weapon. Um, like I learned it inside and out. Elden ring is an encyclopedia. Like, I don't know if I'll ever, I don't think I'll ever get to that state of like knowing like all about it insides and out, but that's kind of why I love it too is because it's so dense. It's not something where I'm like, Oh, okay. I already know how to beat that. Like I learned, I, I, I 100% mastered demon souls in a, um, I'd say like three months. Mm-hmm. Elden ring that, that kind of has that thing in my head where it's like almost like symphony of the night where it's like, Oh, this castle's huge. And there's an upside down one. What? Like that's Elden ring for me where it's like, there might be a point where like fucking a month or three from now, someone's like, did you guys find the fart and hot chick who's who's who who gives you wishes? And you're like, what? That's a fart and hot chick. Because it's like, yeah, like to me. quote Rain, it reminds me of those times where people were like telling you stories about video games, and you're like, oh, that's not in the game. What? And then you find it mm-hmm. every it's, time. It, it's so reminiscent of that. I have to make it my number one. But that's also why I love Breath of the Wild too, because that had that as well. So. Yeah, I gotta play that. I think playing this makes me want to play that. I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared because you're gonna be like, "This is fucking easy, fucking babies, <laughs> fucking baby cakes." <laughs> well, yeah, that doesn't matter as much if I'm enjoying exploring. You know, I don't care what the difficulty is. That's kind of the way I am with with uh, Elden Ring and people complaining about it being hard. Like, I, I don't care. It's so much to see, and if I something is hard, I'll go see something else. Like, you know, like. That's, that's kind of the my mental. Elden Ring is what I was hoping Red Dead Redemption 2 was when Red Dead Redemption 2 came mm-hmm. out after Breath of the Wild, where it's like, I want games to kind of learn and take that formula that kind of like we got from that and just like go nuts with it. And I think Elden Ring went nuts with it. Mm-hmm. All right. After That's this me. is the is it the two hour podcast where Devin talks about Horizon to himself. <laughs> no, no, dude, he just says on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> He's, he, he, he's too much of a coward. To Driving in a car. He's got to put <laughs> Talking about RS. <laughs> All right. No, he's going to listen to this podcast. 100%. He's going to 100% listen to this podcast. And he's going to he's gonna do a jog where he just rants for three hours. <laughs> I can't wait. Where are you telling me Rainy's fake name was Runny? And then, really, come on, dude. And you're going to be like, what? That's your hangout? Rainy and Rennie had the, she has, mm. You got to blame George Ring Ring Martin for that one. Yeah. <laughs> ring Ring. <laughs> it's fucking. Everybody's gonna have the same name. They all start with the same two goddamn letters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is uh, wow. What a game, a masterpiece. Glad to have you guys on here and talk about it. Uh, I'm gonna keep playing. I got a lot. More I think to the do. nicest thing you could possibly say about Elden Ring as a gaming experience was that Chris Galani, of all people, finished the game and went right back into New Game Plus. Like no hesitation, mm, yeah, like right back in to do more of it. Which to me says that this must be something really special because Chris, no offense to you, you seem like a very much one and done kind of guy. Oh, I'm I'm a Pontius Pilate of video games. <laughs> I wash my hands when I'm done. I walk away. Like I never want to see that again. Like it's, it's just, you know, cause you, for any other game other than this, 
there's so much that I see already in the first playthrough. I have no interest to go through again. It's very rare, yeah. mm. you know, very rare, but still enjoying it, man. Love it. Well, does that about wrap us up here, Steve? I think okay. so. Uh, Rain, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Tim. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I wish I had gotten to talk more about Garl Vinland and the lore of the Dark Souls games, but, uh, you know, maybe some other time. Garl Vinland? <laughs> Who's Garl Vinland? Chris, hang on the call after this. We're going to have a conversation. Uh, look at the time. I got to go. <laughs> oh, shit. Are we out? I think we're good. Yeah, we out. I think we said what we needed to say. Good night. Good night, everybody.